Shout out our sponsors, GW Competitions. They run regular draws for you to win different prizes from cash to Rolexes to cars and all sorts. It's all legit and the draw is run through the Google number generator. And the prize is delivered the next day and if it's cash, it's transferred the same day. The draws are run on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. And you've got to be in it to win it. Again, Big Eagle Media Entertainment, another podcast today, another special guest, and this one is, I wouldn't even say um, long-time friend, I would say more so like family, like yeah. our families have known each other since, I, guess, I think even before you was born, to yeah. be fair, yeah. so from, we used to, you, you guys were in the Old Kit Road those mm-hmm. times as well, I mean, yeah. we used to go to your mom's house as a young kid, mm-hmm. and um, yes, guys, Chris Congo, man, thank you for coming down. Love, man, thank so, you. Let's go back. I mean, I'm gonna say where are you 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 from? Where's your family from? But the, the surname says it is itself, isn't it? Congo. Yeah, of course, of course. So is that your actual name surname, Congo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So where did you grow up? And yeah, tell us about your upbringing. Um, I grew up in Bermondsey slash Old Kent Road. Um, that's my my area still till now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, from there. So what was the sort of early life like? What was you into as a very young person? Like life before boxing, like what was you into? Um, well, I, I started boxing when I was eight. Okay, so, so young. it's always been a part of of my life. Well, it is my life basically now. Mm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's there's nothing else that I've like really wanted to do mm. apart from that. What about school was? How was you sort of academically at the time? I was all right, but I always like sort of drifted away from there and boxing was like my number one thing yeah. i mean obviously me knowing your family that like your, your older brother elvis he's the first one that mm-hmm. was he, boxing he started it so i mean what is it why did he want to start boxing did you, did you ever tell the story like was it something like was dad into it at the time or? uh my dad done a little bit of training yeah. so what it was is that he tried out different sports and boxing was the one like that he really enjoyed yeah so that's what got him into the sport. And you as a younger brother looking at that, is that what kind of influenced you at the time? Yeah, of course, because I used to see him win fights and whatnot. So it kind of got me into it. And from a young age, anyone that's from like the ages of eight or six, whatever they get into and whatever they like, just whatever they're into and what they keep doing is what they'll always do. Mm. Me personally, what I think. And, mm. and you came from a household where both mum and dad was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, how important was that for you in terms of just like having, because we, we, we hear all these stories of the times that where dad wasn't around, but I, your, your parents were always there at the same time. So what was mm-hmm. it, how important was that for you to have to see um, them? That was very important. But at the start, there was more of, you know how it is, go to school, go to university. So that was the thing. Yeah. But at the time, the more time I spent in the gym, the more I started getting better and better and better. Mm. And I'm, I'm just one of them quick learners that I pick up things very quickly. A lot of coaches have said it, even till this day. So I just think that I, it just it just drifted me apart from 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 like the university stuff. Mm. I mean, you said drifting apart from the university life. 
But of course, also us being from where we're from in Suffolk, mm. the gang culture was very rife at the time mm-hmm. as well. So, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I probably you won't want me to say this, but I remember your your older sister Nancy. Um, she was a bit. Uh, she what's the word? She liked the the agginess of stuff. I remember, like, I remember one time, like, we was having this sort of conversation, and she'd be telling me this story about this fight and that fight there. So, mm. what was it? about i guess you guys growing up because i don't think any of you guys ever got in trouble that way what was it about you guys kind of growing up that kept you away from that because it's, it's right on your doorstep it's happening right in front of you it was there and there was a gang like in our area called brooklyn yeah. so that was local mm. but the thing is for me i feel like boxing took over yeah. over that for me so when guys was going to jail getting into madness i always find myself in the gym working so that's what it was but there's never thing that where you felt tempted to, to hang out you know I mean the day they're hanging around you never thought oh you know what? I'm gonna come and jam with these guys or oh, it's just not I'm disciplined I'm not going yeah but there was times I did chill okay. with them but I always knew I always had a vision from young yeah so that was just what I wanted to do mm. you know so when your 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 second brother um, also went into boxing mm-hmm. and I know he went to the Olympics and everything like that as well. I mean, at, no, at the he, time, he, how proud was you when you're seeing him and, and was that the, oh, you know what? It wasn't, the it wasn't the Olympics. He went to the worlds, the Europeans. Okay. So he was doing it big anyway. Yeah. And he, he's like, he was that close from going to the Olympics, but um, in the worlds, he had lost to one of the top contenders in the world at the time. But I believe he won that fight. But okay. Yeah. Um, not just biased. Not just biased. Not just biased. Yeah. If he lost, I'll say he lost. Mm. I'm a, I'm a raw, I'm a raw guy. Yeah. So I believe he won that fight, but okay. obviously no one sees the international stages, the mm. international fights that happen when fights don't go a certain way. No one sees that. I mean, how, how difficult is it? How problematic is it in boxing that when you go to another country where the judges are from that sort of? place and then you feel the injustice how do you sort of take it i mean i've i've been in that situation you know and i always know there's there's light at the end of the tunnel so whatever happens we just gotta just keep moving forward regardless a loss is a learn it's a a lesson learned so that's how i always took it you know i mean you've been boxing now for what over 20 years now say or 20 years 20 years years. now yeah so it's like You've been going through the ranks and fighting and why do you think then you didn't sort of reach the higher heights that you should reach? Because only before your last fight, you've never lost a fight. You've won mm-hmm. all your fights or drawn or whatever, but yeah. you've never lost. Why has it not been Chris Congo, the prominent name in UK boxing that it should be? As an amateur, I was on Team GB myself. Okay. So I know certain places where I went um, went to a few of the top tournaments. I done my thing out there, medaled and stuff. Yeah. Even boxed with with, with a sprained hand, and mm. even still managed to get a medal. So for me, as an amateur, I was at the the heights. Being being Team GB, there's only like thirty to forty fighters on the squad, and you're yeah. talking about the whole of England, Scotland, or Wales. So that was a big achievement for me, just mm. being on the team, not going to different tournaments and fighting. But that's amateurs. As an amateur, I knew, me personally, I knew who they were going to select for the Olympics before the Olympic team had been selected. Yeah. I already knew who they was going to pick. 
So I didn't want to waste my time and just stay there, wait for another Olympic year. And then when that Olympic year comes, they don't even pick me. Why, why did you feel they were going to pick you? Because I believe, me personally, I believe they know who they're going to select. Yeah. That's, that's no just what, what I believe. No matter what. So, I believe they know who they're going to select. So is that, is that the reason why he's had to go to professional? Yeah, that's the reason why I turned pro 2016. So, I mean, what are the advantages of being an amateur then? The amateur, yeah. the amateur, the amateurs compared to the professional ranks, yeah? Mm. So amateurs, if you're good, if you're winning your fights, you're going to get to where you want to get to. Yeah. So if you're good, if you believe you're one of the best in the country, you have to beat everyone, go through a tournament called the ABAs, mm -hmm. Amateur Boxing Association, beat everyone and get onto Team GB. Yeah. Once you get onto Team GB, then you're a top athlete in the country. Okay. That's what it is. As a, as a professional, it don't matter if you're good. It don't matter if your face don't fit the picture. If you can put bums on seats, if you can get numbers out, if your numbers on ins if you got 50k followers, yeah, you can get all the glory in the world. So put this with it. I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. I've got a bit of an Instagram following. I'm trying mm -hmm. to get back in shape. So if I said, you know what, cool, I want to become a professional boxer at 35. Yeah. Can I become a professional boxer or do I need to go through no, a system? You, you just have to get your license. So how do you, so you, just, if, you pay for a license? Yeah, you pay for your license. It all depends what the British Boxing Board of Control, if they are going to select you to become a fighter. Okay. So it all depends. If you can pass your medical, you have to do a brain scan every year. Mm. You have to do a, a medical test every year. All, all results have to be negative. Yeah, I think my, my, my hungs and lungs might fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, the moment you became sort of professional, mm -hmm. How different was it for you? Because I guess with, as an amateur with Team GB, you're getting mm -hmm. all the support and the, the supply and everything. So when you become professional, how was that transition originally? It's difficult because as an amateur, you're getting paid to box. Yeah. Your physio is sorted. Sparring partners is sorted. Is right there. You're going to different tournaments. As an amateur, all you have to do, being on Team GB, all you have to do is box and yeah. train. That's it. As a professional, you have to go and look for your manager. Mm. You have to go look at, look for promoters. You have to pay your physios. You have to pay your own sparring partners to come and punch you in the face. Okay, wow. Do you understand? So what, are the, what are the costs of all those things that come up to you, like per fight? Listen, for, I mean, I'm not, I'm not at the heights yet of, of heights. So I've known, I've known sparring partners. I've heard top fighters, they're paying sparring partners. They're spending like 50 grand on sparring partners. Do you get what I'm saying? Getting different guys coming in different countries just to get the rounds in, you mm. know? So it's, 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 it's expensive. And at the beginning, was it a thing that where you was kind of, you, you had a management team that was working with you or is it like family mm. took over at one point or how, how did it work with you? No, I still got a management team till now. Yeah. So even to become a professional, you need a manager in the yeah. UK. So before you turn pro, you have to have a manager to sign you then you get your professional license. Yeah. And yeah. Do, do you remember your first fight as a professional? Yeah, I remember that. You come as well. Was, was, that, was that your first you fight? You was there. That was my first ever fight when you come. Oh, snap. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought, yeah. I thought, you mean, all these years, so all these years you fight as you were just as an amateur? amateurs, yeah. I had okay. 90 fights as that's an amateur. Said, that's like, what, four, five, five years ago? Six, yeah. 
2016. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was my first first fight. And everyone went mad. The crowd went mad. I, I sold a few tickets. I sold out your call. Okay. Me and uh, Richard Reactor. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm that was mad. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, we have to go on support always. But yeah, so I thought, you, I thought you was a professional. I, mean, I was in jail from yeah, all, that, yeah, all those yeah. years. From so them times, time. I, was still, I was still fighting on Team GV. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. So, I mean... What has been the biggest hardships of being a professional? Like, what's the, what's the thing that really you think, oh, f- fucking hell, man, this is long? Um, I would say just trying to get, for me, just mm. trying to get fights. Yeah. Me trying to get fights has been hard. Obviously, I've been with certain managers. They couldn't get me on big platforms. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is hard. And it's like, I'm doing all this work. I'm spending all this money. What is going on? What am I doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? If these guys don't want to fight, what, what am I in this for? Because yeah, I'm why, in here. Why are people not wanting to fight? Is it because they're scared they might get defeated? Or is it just like they don't think it's the right fit for them? How does it work? Um, it's a business, isn't it? So mm. if I don't have nothing, if I don't have a title, people might look at me and think, raw, this guy's a bit too dangerous for me. Yeah. So let me avoid him and maybe fight him. Yeah. You know? So I feel like everyone wants to keep this precious O that what Floyd done, yeah. 50 and all. Everybody wants that. But I think now we're sort of coming out of that now because you see AJ took a loss a couple of years ago. Mm. This person took a loss, their first loss. I took my first loss. So it's like, I think we're coming out of that because of COVID. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now in COVID, the best have to fight the best because mm. that's what people want to see. But still till now, them fights ain't happening. I mean, just let's go, just go through that. Who you just mentioned there, like your, your first loss. Before your first loss, how many fights did you have? Twelve. Twelve. I was was on so, how confident was you going into the fight? Did you study the guy? Did you think, yeah, this guy should be a walk in the park, or did you miss? No, I always, I always knew it would be a, it would be a, it would be a tricky fight. Yeah. But me, I'm a person. I fight anybody. Yeah. In the amateurs, as an amateur, I fought, everyone fought each other. Yeah. As a pro, no one wants to fight each other. Mm. So before I fought him, I fought another guy, Luther Clay. I was inactive for 16 months. Okay. So I didn't have no fights just to, due to issues over here. Management, this person don't want to fight. I trained for a whole camp and the week of the fight, this guy pulls out. Yeah. He don't want to fight. And you lose all that money. And the, the money that you spend through camps, you don't get it back. Wow. Unless you got sponsors. Mm. And so how many... How hard has it been to sort of to get the sponsors? How, how, how difficult has it been with that? It all depends. Sometimes sponsors can be word of mouth. This person might sponsor you or whatever. Yeah. Um, this person might sponsor you or whatever. So you just got to go out there and search, yeah. you know, and try to get the big endorsements so you're good for the whole year or yeah. something. I mean, you... you rep sort of Bermondsey how, how mm. massive has it been that support of, of, of that side are the people sort of following you and championing you as one of their owns from that area yeah of course I'm getting a lot of support from my local area which is yeah. good and um, I'm due to start doing a lot of community work as well now yeah. boost up my profile even more and just keep doing what I'm doing I mean you're saying now with Dillian White how did mm. that come about I knew Dillian since 2016. Yeah. So when we was in Miguel's gym in Brixton training, um, he was he used to train as well. Yeah. So we used to mingle about, 
whatnot. And his thing was, these guys, no one's really looking at them. Me, Richard Riakpo, Pesta. Mm. Um, no one was really giving us that time of day. Yeah. So he said, you know what? Let me grab the man them and put them on the undercard. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what he done. So he basically gave us a platform yeah. to do what we, we need to do. And now we're on the big stage. So mm. we're, on the, we're on the good shows. We're getting, we're getting the airtime that we really need. And so, like you said, so how does it work? So he's sort of become sort of management and sort of teach mm-hmm. you guys on board. So then once you, he has a fight, he puts you on so you guys get paid yeah. for that, but then he'll yeah. take a cut as well from as a management as well. Of course. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. As long as I'm fighting. I always tell people, you know people I mean? some people will say, Oh, I don't have a manager, but I always say, What's twenty percent of zero? Zero. Yeah, What's twenty percent if someone gives you five hundred pounds, twenty percent is more than you had before anyway. Of course. So I always tell people management is very important. So how instrumental has he been in kind of getting you fights now? I think that's the first fight he done with you as well. No, I had two fights. Oh, I've yeah. had two fights with him. Very instrumental. So the first time I signed with him, within three weeks later. He already had an opponent for me. Yeah. He said, I got you a fight and this time and then COVID hit. Mm. So we were, I was supposed to have my first fight last year, March, but then COVID hit. Then we had all that time. And then I ended up fighting in August on his undercard when yeah. he, when he um, lost to Povetkin. So okay. I was on that card. So he had me active straight away, okay. you know what I mean? Which is good. And that's what, as a fighter, a fighter should always be active should never stay inactive because yeah. it's not good. You know? So when, when, right now, so when, I mean, let's talk about the defeat then. So you, you got defeated and after it's happened, how do you feel morally? I mean, do you feel deflated? Do you feel, oh, this all was like, oh, you know what? It happens to everyone. Or what did you feel like, that could have happened to me? It was that sense of embarrassment a bit sometimes, or how does nah, it feel? It's, it's never an embarrassment because it's, it's two men going to fight each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. It's all respect is always due to us fighters and to any fighter out there in the world. But for me, obviously, I was distraught. That's my first loss as a pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? My belt is gone. I'm thinking, rah, where am I going to go from here now? Mm. That was the question. But for me, I feel like this is a bounce. This is time to bounce back now. Yeah. Show people who you really are. And another thing for me is don't leave anything to the judges. Yeah. Because when you go leave stuff to the judges, this is what happens. I mean, how dangerous is it to go for a knockout? I always tell people, like, why don't you go in there? Like, obviously, like I said, I'm not clued up in boxing, right? Mm-hmm. I just know on road, man, punch man up. It's, it's, it's a fight. So <laughs> you, you try and go and knock someone out quickly. But obviously, that takes a lot of energy. So yeah, is yeah, there a thing yeah. that you trying to do that strategically might be wrong? How does it work kind of thing? I mean, it all depends. It's all about setting game plans, setting traps and... Doing, doing whatever you need to do to get the mm. win. But um, I believe you got a good corner, you got a good team in your corner. As long as you can set up your traps and set up set up a good game plan, regardless of who you fight, you'll get the win. You know what I mean? What, what uh, weight are you fighting at the moment? Uh, well toy, currently. Well toy. Yeah. And is that, is that uh, the weight you want to stay at? I would I would like to stay out the weight, but a lot of people telling me I'm still growing. Mm. A lot of people say I'm already big for the weight. Because yeah. at six foot one to weigh in at ten stone seven is is like That's crazy. It's crazy, mm. you know what I mean? Talking about old school fighters like Tommy Hearns and stuff. Mm. They were tall for the weight. 
and they eventually moved up. So I know I'm eventually going to move up. But right now, for me, making the weight is no problem. Yeah. I mean, who, who's, the, who's the best fighter in your division in the UK, if not you? Me. Who else is there? That's it, if not you, who? If not me. Um, there's a few There's a few names. I would like to say the guy that beat me, McKinson, he's up there. Yeah. Is to he be British? Honest, yeah, he's British. Yeah. To be honest, nobody wanted to fight me or him. Okay. So we said, yeah, let's have it out. How many rounds did that one go to? Ten rounds. Ten rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Is there a thing that where you could get a rematch out of that or? I want the rematch. He doesn't want the rematch. What, why is he saying there's a rematch? Cause... Because he, he's won the fight, he don't want the rematch. Only he knows why he don't. So beforehand, I've been seeing the whole controversy right now mm -hmm. in regards to the whole Wilder. And before the match, wasn't that a thing that where you kind of put in a contract, well, in a contract, like if this happened, we want a rematch? Or is, of course. did you guys not think of that at the time? But it's not that we didn't think about it. That that wasn't on the cards. Okay. You know what I mean? And we we ain't as big as Wilder and Fury. Yeah. For us to have to contracts rematch, and yeah. rematches and all of that. Yeah. So even a contract, we made it we made a feel that we made a deal. Mm. We made the fight happen. This is what's going on, this is how much you get paid. But I didn't sign the contract until the week of the fight. Okay. You know what I mean? But the fight was made anyway. Mm. So it's one of them ones. Until I get to a stage where I'm like the Joshua's, the Furies, to that big stage, to the world title level, because mm. right now I'm still British level. So once I get to that level, then we can talk about rematch. So how, how do you get to that next level then? What, what do you have to do you, to get that? Just keep winning fights? Just keep winning fights. You got to just keep building your ranking. Yeah. So fight British guys. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much in my division. I had 16 months out and I come back and I fought two guys in the top 10 yeah. and nobody else has done that. Everybody mm. else don't want to fight each other. Mm. But I just come out from nowhere and I fought these two guys. So I feel like the best thing to do, build up, build up your own following, fight whoever you're going to fight, beat them and just keep moving forward. I mean, I was saying this off camera as well because like what, what um, your friend was saying earlier was that sometimes you kind of need to sort of build up that hype mm -hmm. and you always come across to me as someone that's very serious someone that's yeah. very mild-mannered someone that's very respectful do you think as positive as these things are mm. kind of does you a disservice in regards to how people perceive you and and, and fight because you you do the job in the ring yeah, but sometimes people want that sexiness of how ali was trash talking how maybe chizora sometimes trash talks yeah but that's not your personality <laughs> but see so do you think that might count against you sometimes? Yeah, I, I ain't like that, man. Mm. You know what I mean? I just I just like to fight, bro. Just get in there and do what I need to do. Mm. But as, as far as trash talking, it's it's not my thing. Yeah. And I don't want to be an actor. I'm not an actor. Yeah. I'm a real life person. Mm. I'm just a real life fighter. And I just love to fight. So me trash talking is not in my, it's, it's not in my nature, in, in my nature. I mean, also in regards to sort of just boxing, because I mean, from what I sort of understand from if you told me, mm. it's like, it just depends on how big the, the, the ticket sales are. Mm -hmm. So is it a thing that where a professional boxer might not be making enough money to even sort of survive sometimes? Is that how it might work? Or Of course. So some, I, some, some, you get some professional fighters that actually work. Okay. And... They work part-time or they work full-time and they box full-time. Yeah. So it's hard until they get to a certain level. Mm. 
like there was a fighter who was doing night shifts in Tesco, but he kept winning, won the British title, then moved on, and now he's boxing full time, okay. doing what he loves for a living. Yeah. So sometimes it's all about the sacrifice that you have to make mm. to get to that level, you know, and you need a support system around you. So whoever's supporting, whoever you can take whatever tickets off you to go and watch you fight, that's the best thing, you know. Has it ever been a point where you think, you know what, I'm done with this, man? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. This was when I was out for 16 months, I yeah. didn't fight. And I thought at this point, I said, listen, nobody wants to fight. This manager's moving mad and can't get me any fights. What is, what is the point? Mm. What am I doing this for? I'm spending all this money in camp, yeah, having to borrow money from my brother. My brother's let my bare peace. Yeah. Having to borrow money from him just to do this, just to get in camp and, and do this. And then I get to the week of the fight and this person say, oh, no. Nah. They don't want to fight no more. Something's happened. Yeah. Uh, he's injured. Uh, this, this has happened. That's happened. So I got to a point where I thought, there's no point, man. And then that's when Dillian come and he said, look, come with me. I'll put you on. Yeah. And my first fight was a 10-rounder against someone that was active, but he had a title. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he got me straight in the mix. And mm. hey, what you call it? Is there, there's no sort of insurance policy that like if someone quits, they like say, okay, if you if you quit, then hmm? you owe us this money. <laughs> insurance policy for what? <laughs> there's nothing like None that. None of that. None no. of that. If if you if me and you are fighting mm. and we're deep in camp four or five weeks in, that's all right. Because if you say, oh, you got injury, I just might be able to scrape another opponent. Yeah. But if you come to me and you say, oh, I pulled out, I got injury there. To get another opponent within a week on the small show scene, which is like the the, the come up, which yeah. I call it the come up scene, mm. then it's a lot harder to get another another opponent. Yeah. Nobody wants to fight. Who wants to take a fight in a week's notice? Mm. It's hard. So it's just one of them ones. So I mean, going forward, like what what can we look forward to? You got you got a fight lined up soon. Uh, should be uh, hoping to fight in August next. Mm. So. I'm just keeping up with my training as usual and just doing what I need to do. How, how many fights do you boxers normally have per year? Is it two, three or? Depends. Right now, I'm like three, four. You know what I mean? If I can get two more fights at the end of the year, I'll be happy. Um, and then when you get to a level like Fury or the big, big guys, you're talking about having two fights a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of them ones. I mean, what's, what's the heart? Because as you know, I've been saying, I've been trying to get fit again, but I get so lazy sometimes. But when yeah. I'm actually working out, I like it. I enjoy the feeling after. Yeah. What's the most grueling part of training that you think, oh, this is long? Um, you know, if there, if I could, it's mad. I, I do like running. Okay. I do like running and I love sparring because it's just, sparring is like, basically like fighting. Yeah. It's, it's it's the closest thing to you fighting. Mm. So I think just I think just in general it's just a hard everything's hard, bro. Mm. It's never easy. Uh, I uh, think uh, boxing's uh, the hardest sport. Uh, uh, how long do you sort of run when you do when you're running? Well depends. I, I, I do long runs, I might do a, a ten miles. Ten 12, miles. Yeah, twelve miles. Sometimes I might do three, might do six, might do eight. 
So I mix it up. I just about to do five kilometers and the other day I couldn't even do five and I'm free. <laughs> I stopped for yeah, a little while. And like, and like you said, you took 16 months out. Mm -hmm. How difficult was it to get back in shape quickly? Because like, I was running, I was doing 5K. Yeah. The first time I was doing it, I got to 34 minutes. I said, I said mm -hmm. what the hell is this? And I got it down to 26, 26 minutes. Yeah. And then I hadn't done it for like three, four weeks. And then I tried it the other day, I only could do 3K. Mm -hmm. So you took 16 months out. How hard was it for you to get back into shape? Or was the, key, it just the key for me is I was always training regardless. Okay. But at the time, it was just like, nah, this is my last training session, man. I can't mm. be bothered. But I would still go the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would still go. Every day I'm going, I'm going. So it's mad. But yeah, I was always in shape. Always stayed in what, shape. What, what, what keeps you motivated even when things are going? What keeps you motivated on a goal on a task at hand? Like I said, the vision, man. I have a vision. You know what I mean? I know what I want. I know what I want. So I'm going to go get it regardless. Mm. Regardless, if even if there's a little blip in the road, we just have to just keep moving, man. I mean, obviously you're Congolese as well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that, that you get that back in the back? And uh, what do you call it? Isaac is Congolese as well, right? Yeah. Where Isaac, the hell did that name Chamberlain? <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask him. <laughs> like, so what Congolese guy was named Chamberlain from where? Because I had a school teacher called Mr. Chamberlain. But I'm like, mm. Cham where did you get Chamberlain from? It should be like... I don't know, Mambanga or I don't know, but anyway. Bro, I, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him still. Yeah, but do you, do you feel that you get the Congolese support in the UK and worldwide? Do you feel the love? I get the support. I get the support now, but before, there weren't really a support like that, mm. if I'm honest. there was It was more of like, they wanted to see something. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what I feel like my community is like. They want to mm. see something. So when they see me on Sky Sports fighting... That's when they support. Yeah. I think as well, I think it's very important as a community. I feel like we need to, to mm. galvanize and say when when one of our brothers is fighting, like, yo, make it a day out, make it night out, let's go, let's go and support, let's go, let's go and buy tickets and go and see. Cause if we are doing it, then it makes the people hit oh, what? You got 300, 400 Congolese people coming to watch him. Mm. Like, cool, we, we need to put him on, on a bigger car. So it's a yeah, thing that yeah, we're yeah, the Congolese community, definitely, even Congolese community, Southern community, mm -hmm. all the people coming behind All the communities, man. Whoever yeah. can come out, you know what I mean? So just one of them ones. So when do you envision yourself kind of like, let's say things go plain sailing mm -hmm. for the next few years, when do you see yourself sort of quitting boxing? Because as you get older as well, yeah, the blows yeah. to the head and things like that of will take its toll. When do you sort of kind of envisage yourself? So, you know, what, what age would you say, you know, yeah, it's a wrap now? It all depends. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've, I haven't thought that far ahead. Yeah. I've only thought about stuff that I want to do after boxing, but yeah. not like what age am I going to stop, mm. you know? So that's what it is. And with your your older two brothers who obviously box as well, are they are they coming to your matches a lot now? They're still kind of they're always there. still fans of boxing itself. Of course, they're always there watching, seeing mm. my mistakes. Elvis comes to the gym all the time, so mm. when he can come, he's there. Mm. So that's what it is. So any sort of kind of final words you want to just talk to the people out there to let them know who Chris is, kind of thing, and what plans for the future, basically. Plans for the future, just keep working, get more titles and just motivate the people, the community and just keep working hard, man. So that's my main aims right now. All right, guys, that was Big Eagle Media and that there was Chris Congo.